Welcome to an, another episode of the Gladcast Basketball Podcast. Uh, with the news last week that the men's squad were strengthening the coaching team supporting Coach Murray, there is no better time to welcome back to the franchise as assistant coach this time in Mr. Darrell Wood. Darrell, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be on. It's great to be back. Um, thanks very much for having me. Um, it's been a great couple of weeks. So, how, obviously, thanks for joining us. Uh, how How is it feeling to be back involved at the top level of like pro basketball in this country with the men? Yeah, it's really good. Um, it, it links nicely to some of the academy work that I've put in place in my other role as well. And um, hopefully being able to bring the governing body and the pro team closer together with maintaining um, my role in the governing body as well. But um, it's been great. You know, I really enjoy the kind of challenge for me as a coach to be back at the top level and enjoy working and operating with players at this level on a daily basis. Um, so, yeah, the last couple of weeks have been a lot of fun. Brilliant. So, obviously, you've had the chance to, over the last number of years, and probably before that as well, build up a good relationship with Gareth. But how do you feel like your kind of coaching style can complement what Gareth's offering as head coach? Uh, yeah, so obviously Gareth was a player when I was in as an assistant and then as a head coach. Um, so we do have a really good working relationship, I think. Um, whilst we might complement each other in personality-wise, and um, the assistant coach role is always just able to take a little bit of more of a step back and kind of see some things without the emotional attachment sometimes. Um, so I think that also suits my personality style Um you won't over, you won't see me overly animated at any point. I try and keep myself fairly level headed, and it just brings a different per se perspective on things during the games and in practice. It's just someone to kind of step back and remove a bit of emotion. So that's been the been the theme for the last couple of weeks to try and get myself back into that mindset and role. So obviously, for people, some people who are listening, and some people who might not know, it was for many people back five years ago when you kind of first became involved with, the, obviously then it was the Rocks when Tony Garbaletto was head coach. How did that opportunity come about for you then? Um, so that was heavily linked to our Commonwealth Games um, pathway, if you like, um, because at that time Tony had taken on uh, not only the Rocks job and the GB job, had taken on the Scotland job as well. So there was an opportunity came about then um, with Tony going to have been away for the Commonwealth Games uh, to then step in as assistant because it was part of the partnership to bring a number of Scots back and um, and also strengthen the coaching side on that front. So that opportunity all came around with partnership within Basketball Scotland and the Commonwealth understanding that we really needed cover on the coaching front in that. Um, of course, then other things transpired that season and Tony didn't end up going to the Commonwealth Games, but that opportunity all came through through that uh, pathway there. So obviously you were, with what you just said, you were kind of then quickly thrown in the deep end and with the, obviously, as you said, Commonwealth Games 2018. And how was that kind of experience for you managing what was at that time a pretty experienced squad when you look at who, obviously, had all the Scottish guys, but you also had people like Kofi Joseph, you then brought in, some guys to cover during that time. So you kind of had guys... Uh, Nate Brett was a point guard, wasn't it? Yeah, Nate, Nate was in. And uh, yeah, Warren man. Gillis came back. And back. How, how was that whole experience of having that whole kind of... Firstly, the experience of managing such a vast, experienced squad as obviously a young kind of rookie head coach, but also the experience of then having to do all that without these guys for a number of weeks. Um, I think the first word probably to use is mental. 
Um, obviously, I had I had not long come in as an assistant coach, and the purpose of that was for me to learn and grow and develop, and then things did accelerate very, very quickly. Um, so it was difficult, you know. I've reflected on my time there, and is there a number of things I would have done differently for sure? You're always on that path of trying to learn and grow and, and get better, and there's definitely things I didn't handle well in that situation. And to add to it all, I think moving from an assistant coach to a head coach is also a real challenge when you have the same group of players that you've worked with both because the relationship you build up as an assistant coach with the players is different than the ones you require as a head coach. So trying to manage that mid-season whilst also having people go away and put in and um, was all really challenging. I probably didn't fully understand how challenging it was until... I actually left the programme and I've been away for a couple of years and had time to properly reflect on that. Uh, during it, I think you just kind of get on with everything day to day the best you can. It's all about the whirlwind. Yeah, for sure. Um, didn't probably take a step back to actually appreciate that, but now I have done that. And yeah, it was, like I say, it was mental, to be honest, now reflecting on it. So obviously then the next season after quite a fairly positive uh, end of season as kind of head coach and okay we're unlucky in the playoffs I think it was London uh, put us out that season you're involved and got the chance to kind of do the off season and obviously things didn't kind of go in the uh, the way results didn't go the way we wanted and everything went in a kind of different directions how how did you get over that adversity and obviously you've just said in a previous in your previous answer about that now looking back you were able to do X Y and Z so yeah how did you get over that kind of adversity. Um, well, I thought we had a really positive off-season in terms of there was a real challenge for me being the first year that I ever had to recruit and go through that process and actually heavily involved Gareth in that at that time because he was definitely one of the key leaders within the squad at the time and obviously leaning on his experience was huge um, for me. So I thought we had a pretty positive. We obviously then had a rough start and um, to the season but actually picked up fairly well and had... Um, the opportunity to go to the cup final and so forth. True. Um, in terms of bouncing back from that, I think it's just time, you know, you need time to take steps away. I'm really thankful for the opportunity that came up at Basketball Scotland and I've had hopefully a positive impact and been able to build some programmes there that hopefully strengthen some of the pathway stuff. So it wasn't like I disappeared from the sport. Yeah. Um, just a shift in role and, uh, I've always been really passionate about the youth stuff just as much as I am the, the pro stuff. So being able to step away, take a little bit of time off, I think I took maybe two months off after everything that happened, but then jumped back in and um, started working with coaches in the, the space there. And then obviously COVID hit and we had an opportunity <laughs> to change some things up and have a little bit of reflection time with the sport there as well. Um so, yeah, I think bouncing back, it was probably the key for me was just to dive straight back into something that I love. And that's then... And then you didn't lose your passion for weird, it. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And in a weird and wonderful way, I've found my way back. Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, like, life after Rocks, as you just kind of said, you got back involved in various kind of development stuff at age levels of the game. What, what do you find so rewarding about that kind of coaching side of it? Um... I, I think you just like to see people grow, you know, and the, so one of the reflections I definitely had on the pro side was whilst we had our core of Scottish people, the Americans tended to be in and out year on year and you don't necessarily always get to see 
players grow as much as you'd maybe like in a one-year process. Um, you've got to strike that balance between winning games and developing players. And, and if, when I say one year, I actually mean seven months, really. Yeah. Um, so stepping into the pathway stuff, you've got an opportunity to see players longer term. Um, it's really cool to see Jack Kencher and Will Kemp involved this year. And those were guys that were in the Scotland Under-16 programme with me actually this summer that I left the Rocks. Mm. Um, we went away um, to the European Sea Division. So it's just nice to see players like that find a love for the game. And if you can be a small part of that journey for them, not only finding a love for the game, but developing within the sport, I think it's just a really cool thing, to be honest. And as a coach, obviously working with young, top-performing athletes, how do you find that balance of building relationships, but also staying as a coach and how that can kind of help these young people kind of decide what they want to do in life, like as almost like a mentor to them? Um, so the million dollar question in coaching, I guess, you know, um, experience helps, you know, trying different things and learning from them as a coach and not being scared to try different things and, and, and experiment and play around. And maybe one year you do something that doesn't work and then you mix it up and change it. The other big one that I guess college coaches in America and other places in some of the these academies now that are established is spending time away from the basketball court is so crucial to building relationships with players because who you are as a coach on the floor isn't necessarily I think complete trans uh, translation to who you are as a person off the court um, of course there's similarities but just finding time to get away and I think this is why with Scotland squads you always build a really strong connection with players because you go away for 10, 12 and um, even with GB this summer, I was away for almost three weeks with the same athletes and you live together 24 hours a day. Uh, those times are so crucial for building relationships with players and, and helping them. Uh, and then I think that naturally helps separate the developing them as a person and developing them as a basketball player when they're on the floor as well. Yeah. I suppose that's where, and you look at it, I look at it in different sports, I've been involved in different, whatever it is, and you look at that, like, the relationships you strike up then, like you're saying about the guys that you had in your under-16 teams now, you're getting to almost continue that relationship and knowledge of them and helping them now with what they're doing now in the Gladiators. It must be pretty a good feeling to see these guys still kind of fighting a way to make, make it what they love doing. Yeah, it's really cool. I think that, like I said before, I think that's one of the best things to see and with the new programmes we've established with the regional academy and the new reformat and that, there's under 14 players just now who you're already excited about and seeing how they could have the potential to reach this. And I think it's seeing that potential is energising in itself, but then also seeing people fulfil that and actually go on to do it. Um, it's also really cool, you know, um, like if we talk about the WBBL side, someone like Zoe Sharp, someone that yeah. has come through that pathway as well and... Um, been involved in these sort of things and then we were away with GB in the summer and you can just feel a real buzz about young people wanting to push themselves and learn and develop and then when you actually see that come to light if you like and they then do get their opportunity at the pro level it's it's really rewarding for them you feel good because if you've been like I say a really small part in that journey but you have been a part of it yeah, I suppose you look at, I was you taking the words out of my mouth there when you mentioned about the WBBL. There, there just seems to be within basketball in Scotland at the moment 
an increase in opportunities, there's an increase kind of depth of kind of progression and availability to kind of move and progress. And it's not maybe necessarily like at 15, 16, 17, you're thinking, I want to get out to high school in America or whatever. And if I don't do that, I'm not going to make it. There is opportunities here and or closer to home as well. Yeah, no, I think and they're, they're ever-growing, you know, and there's definitely ambitions to try and replicate the academy programme that a number of clubs down south have managed to run successfully. You know, if you look at Leicester with their Shamwood programme and yeah. um, London now heavily linked with Barkin Abbey and the programme that Barkin Abbey have run has been very successful for a number of years, you know. And there's a number of examples across the country now and it's definitely something that, both the governing body and I'm sure the pro franchise now uh, and the gladiators are very keen to try and replicate, to increase those opportunities even further. Um, but I totally agree. I think now people are seeing that the only option isn't to go to America. Actually, there's options here in the UK. There's more options here now in Scotland. And, and then we've got good links in Europe as well. So hopefully just expanding the number of opportunities available to the young people. Okay, let's get back into talking gladiators. So, with the news in kind of recent months, change of ownerships, name change, uh, it was always great when I know when you kind of were first announced being involved with the age group stuff. Um, and then it was even better. Like, what do you think uh, the new ownership and direction can mean for the sport in Scotland? Um, hopefully, huge things, you know. Um, the plans for the arena and the Look, vision forward is really, really exciting. Um, the biggest thing that I hope for is I hope it, just like we were talking about, I hope it leads to more opportunities for the young people in Scotland. Um, and if we can find a way to do that, you know, I still think the area of Glasgow has huge untapped potential in terms of the number of people and the diversity it has to be able to expand basketball. Um, so I'm just hoping that the pro team and the new franchise and new ownership takes us in a direction where we can really increase opportunities and possibly even get this sport to the potential that everyone talks about. You know, like I think the biggest word that comes to mind when you start talking about basketball in the UK and in Scotland in specific is everyone says it's got loads of potential, but we've never, it's never certainly been. in my time, yeah. everyone like 10 years ago, people were saying potential and we're still saying that. Um, whereas I believe the new vision at least takes us a massive step forward in terms of unlocking some of that potential, and I'm hopeful that in due course we actually start to fulfil some of that and maybe in 10 years' time we're not talking about potential anymore. We're actually talking that um, Scottish basketball's a place on the map. Yeah, know? and it's got a yeah. proper structure to it that allows kids, and you see a full pathway of kids coming in from young and who then end up being professional or representing Scotland, GB wherever it may be, and, yeah, having just a successful basketball career. And then that only then strengthens your national leagues, your regional leagues, your youth leagues, your every league, and it should hopefully be a brilliant place. Exactly. Exactly. That's the hope. So let's kind of get on and talk a bit more about uh, being back involved with the BBL side. Uh, how was it being kind of back in the sidelines on Sunday and uh, to now be the part of a duo that are the world's best bearded coaching team? Uh, yeah, I, I guess the beer thing continues to come up. Um, I think now if there's to be a second assistant, we'll maybe have to tell them now so they can get ahead of that. Um, <laughs> Definitely. And start, start the growth straight away. Um, it was it was um, surreal a little bit. 
just how quickly everything kind of flowed back into mm. normality for me on uh, Sunday, being back at home in the Emirates. You know, there was a little bit of pre-game nerves, having not done it for a while and not been there. Um, but then, as soon as the the game starts, you're you're in game mode, and um, I think the most refreshing thing was just how quickly kind of clicked with Gareth in terms of operating as a as a duo rather than being on our own now. Um, and it was really nice to be able to bounce ideas back and forward and um, jump in with that. That Sometimes that coaching relationship takes a bit longer, but it felt really natural, really quick. So I would take that as a huge positive from the weekend. How would you describe Gareth as a coach or what's his type of coaching style have you picked up on? Um, and maybe you know, the second a... part of that question is, how does it differ to Gareth as a player, if at all? Um. I mean, Gareth was hugely passionate as a player and is hugely passionate as a coach. Um, I think he's possibly learned as a coach that he can't be as passionate all the time. Um, and he's still learning and developing in that space. Uh, and it's but the biggest thing is, is he's one of the smartest people I've ever worked with in basketball. And that I mean that as a player and as a coach. Yeah. He sees the game unbelievably well. Um there's like any time I pick up on something, Gareth's probably already seen it uh, in the game in terms of the tactically. And he's just so smart. And I think there's also, whilst I'm sure there's drawbacks from being a player previously, I think <laughs> I was listening to a podcast where Terry Henry said that he really struggled when he started up as a coach because the players couldn't do what he does as a player. Yeah. Um, and of course, Terry Henry, not many people can do what he used to do as a player. So, <laughs> the very true. Um, and Gareth was a really high-level BBL player, so I'm sure he has frustrations building within him in that transition from player to coach. Yeah. Um, but he manages those very, very well. Um, so, But I think the big thing is, is he actually understands the game from the player perspective as well, which not many of us have the luxury of doing. You know, I don't know what it's like to be a professional basketball player. I don't know what it's like day-to-day. All the small things that probably bug players that coaches maybe never find out about. Gareth already yeah. knows all of these things and is definitely then able to manage these, I think, a lot better than most because he's been there and he's done it. Um, so, yeah. Um, and personality-wise, he's very similar. You know, like I said, he was a very passionate player and he wore his heart on his sleeve and he gave absolutely everything to his playing career and he's doing the same as a coach, you know. It's not unusual to get a 1am message from Gareth about some scouting stuff and him having watched the game or whatever, you know. It's just, uh, he gives everything he's got to whatever he's doing. He eats sit and sleeps it. Yeah, that's exactly it, you know. And like a lot of people do in the sport, like we've, we are a small number in, in the grand scheme of things in Scottish basketball. So generally there has to be a huge passion for you to stay involved. Absolutely. So obviously I haven't been involved with the squad for the last few weeks. How what do you like? What excites you about this kind of playing squad they've got in the roster? Um, I think Gareth's recruited very, very well and then you add that to the stability of the guys who have come back with the with the Scots core that's still still here. Um I think we've just got a really fun group. I think personality wise it really works. There's they seem to challenge each other enough, but there's nobody that dislikes each other, which chemistry is a huge thing. So Definitely. I think we've got really good chemistry. Of course, it's a lot of first-year guys out of college. Um, 
But ultimately, there's a lot of really exciting players as well. You know, our ability to make shots often gets us out of sticky situations. Um, and that showed against Leicester, for example. I didn't think we had a particularly good third quarter. Um, but at the same time, we hit shots. So therefore, the game doesn't get away from you. Um, so yeah, our ability to make shots is huge for us and very exciting. But more than that, I think we've got a number of guys who are really willing to commit on the defensive end, which yeah. keeps us in so many games. Um, you know, you look at Darian and Jeremiah's activity on the defensive end and then Prince's anticipation and the way that he plays and stuff. Those guys really bring us a lot on the defensive end and we're able to do a lot of, lot of like harm, if you like, to players and, and lock up some systems within that. Yeah, because I suppose you saw on Sunday there against Leicester how how big it was that Prince drew those two charges. A really kind of a crucial point in the match and basically back-to-back uh, possessions for Leicester kind of probably swung the momentum fully in the Gladiators' favour. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that shows Prince's experience in the game and his anticipation and the fact that he's willing to put his body on the line to get that done as well. Um, and then that Darren had a huge one late in the game as well where he burst through and elevator screen to make sure that I think it was Jordan Whelan couldn't get a shot up yes yes you know we've got guys who are really willing to commit on the defensive end um, which is great how you just touched on that there obviously having of the five you've got four kind of rookie imports and then Prince's I think this is his year six or something that's quite a unique mix for a lot of teams how do you think actually having someone of Prince's um, experience on the roster instead of maybe the experience of the Scottish guys can help in general? It's huge. You know, I think one of the things that's been shown in the league is, is returning players really benefit you. Like we just said, a, a seven-month window isn't a long time to work for the player. Um, whereas if you're able to bring them back, and it's something that Leicester Riders have done really successfully for a number of years, you know, you look at the number of new players that are ever in their roster and it's only ever one or two. Yeah. Um, so having a real core helps us and then Obviously, hopefully the next phase is we can make that core bigger and it's not just four or five people you're returning. Actually, you're looking at a seven, eight, nine people returning and you're only bringing them into a three and changing up. And I think there's always important to make small changes. Um, but if you look at the Rocks roster, certainly the five years that I've known it and been heavily involved, it really is significant change year on year. Um, we don't tend to return a lot of players. I think Vincent was probably the first to actually achieve that with kind of Tad coming yeah. back. And, um, they were able to get a bit of stability that year. And then they were, I think that showed huge benefit. You know, they had a really solid year. Granted, it was a COVID year, but they had a really solid year that year. Um, yeah. So I think stability is something we're definitely looking to improve on. And, Thankfully, we've had that core that at least allows us to do it to a set extent. It's just growing that now that's important. Absolutely. So is it, if, if you were, a, obviously, you're working with the team, but if you're a supporter, what kind of things should we, should we be looking forward to for the rest of this kind of season? I think like we just talked about, you know, the, the defensive aspect and how active players are willing to be and how exciting that can lead to. Because it can quite often force a lot of turnovers, which then creates the highlight plays that, let's be honest, everyone enjoys, you know, from supporters to players to coaches. And, and we can get out and we've got some really nice athletic players, you know. Um, we're tapping, coming down the lane and we're definitely going to see plenty of dunks from him this year. And 
Yes. And of course, everyone's seen it at the weekend live on Sunday was how exciting David can be in transition and how well he can finish um, and score. And full stop, you know, he's, he's got a really nice pull-up game and he's able to hit shots from deep, but he's also able to get downhill and really attack players and finish really, really well at the, at the rim. So I think the combination of the activity and defence and then those guys who are really exciting on the offensive end should hopefully lead to a really positive season and I'm sure like every season it's going to have its roller coaster up and downs, but uh, I think some of the exciting moments this year should outweigh any of the negative ones. And then well, how do you feel, obviously, having been an observer for a few years, but also now back involved, how do you feel the general kind of league's moved forward in the last few years? Uh, I, I think, obviously, the COVID year was a difficult one for everyone to manage. Um, but certainly if we go back to the year that I was involved, I think the level has grown. Um, and obviously, people are looking at London as key contributors to that, and the London franchise is growing massively with the with the new investment. But I also, think teams like Surrey now are much stronger than they were. Um, obviously, my first year in the league, we had Leeds as well, and I think with a few teams possibly dropping out and the numbers becoming a bit smaller, the level of British talent and now every single squad is stronger, and then the level of imports we're also bringing in are stronger. So. I would definitely say the league's on an upwards trajectory from the last five years. Amazing. Daryl, thank you very much for your time this afternoon on what was a very wet start for the school run for me this morning to now sitting here in its bright blue sky, however. But thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. And yeah, good luck for a hectic schedule at the weekend with uh, travels to Bristol and Plymouth. Yeah, thanks very much. It was great being on. Thanks for having me.